0: Hope you guys are all doing good. I'm so glad to get a chance to speak. I always, you know, I've gone to Bible college, but I will definitely tell you I always enjoy hearing Jeff's messages. He always brings a fresh perspective on something. So I miss him when he's not here, but at the same time it's kind of cool to get to speak too. So, <laughs> so here we are. All right. Well. First up, as you know, the team is in Mexico, and Jeff mentioned that if there was any of you that said, man, I really wanted to support that mission, that's too bad they're gone. But no, it's not too late. You can still help the missions team. And if you would go grab, grab these guys, you want to write a check or cash, or if you have another way of payment, just put on their missions team, and that will go to our missions team fund. So, just something to think about. Alright, well, we're talking about sin, and what a what a fun and topic to talk about. Let's let's talk about our failings, right guys? Make us feel so much better about ourselves. All right. I'm looking at my notes and realize I'm at the conclusion and I am not want I'm not there yet. I should be at the beginning, the opening, so. Alright, who loves fireworks? How many kids when you were kids you loved a lot of fireworks? How about adults? You still love lighting out fireworks. Yes, okay. Well, when I was in high school, I had a friend that was moving away. He said, hey, Jamie, would you like some fireworks? And like, yeah. I'll take some fireworks. So he gave me this brown paper bag full of fireworks, and it's really fun because you have no idea what any of them do, and this was like just after Halloween, and one of them looked like a firecracker, but instead of being like this, it was like this red with a green little stem on it, and uh, Me and a friend thought, you know what, it's not right that this is not being used, so. And then there was a jack-o'-lantern after Halloween. The poor jack-o'-lantern has no purpose anymore. So I gave that jack-o'-lantern a purpose. And the backyard got that jack-o'-lantern, put it, I think I even put the stem in its mouth, just to make it more appropriate. And I lit it, and I ran as fast as I could, and me and a friend turned around, and you look at that jack-o'-lantern with a smile on its face, one second, the next second, BOOM! <laughs> and it's gone. It's really, you see it one second, next second, it's gone. Like, where did it go? And then seconds later, chunks of the pumpkin are coming down. <laughs> and, and of course, like, that's awesome! Okay, and so that brings me to my point of, if you're under 18, fireworks are a dangerous thing to do, and you should only have parental supervision, especially if your last name ends in toti. That's my last name, kids. Only do fireworks when dad is around. Okay, so that was really awesome, though, and I did love it. Fireworks are exciting, especially with things that blow up, but they're also, as you can say, they're, they're dangerous. Like sin, sin has only one characteristic. It destroys. Bombs, grenades, they only have one characteristic. They're meant to blow up. They're meant to damage. Who would use, who would use a bomb like a hammer? No, that's not its purpose. Who would let your kids use grenade as a grenade as, as home base when you are playing baseball? You wouldn't do it because it's only meant to destroy. But so often with sin, we minimize it. We brush it off. We don't recognize it for its true characteristic. And if God calls something sin, it's sin, and it will reap pain. It will reap destruction. In Galatians 6-7, it says, a man reaps what he sows. You know, don't be fooled. Um, I, I do a little garden every year, and I think I'm probably like maybe one, a couple seniors, but only ones that, who does a garden? Hey, okay, so yeah, so me and some seniors, and some people in between, you did too? Oh, okay, I didn't see your hand, oh, okay, cool, cool, I got a young person doing a garden too there, so I don't know why, maybe because my grandpa did a garden, and I don't know, I, I just always kind of fun, to plant things and see what comes up, and I plant some seeds and they don't come up, so I cheat and go to Lowe's and buy the ones that already started, you know, and, but I planted, I'm seeing some things, I planted peas and use a little, the actual seeds of a pea looks just like a pea. And guess what's coming up? The pea plants. I planted some beans, and guess what? The bean plants are coming up. It's not a broccoli plant coming up, it's a bean. Whatever you seed, whatever, whatever, whatever sow, whatever seed you sow is what's going to come up. Um, we also like blueberries, and blueberries are very easy to grow in Washington. You just plant them and water them, and they grow. Guess what? We get blueberries every year. Guess what's coming up this year? More blueberries. Because whatever you, whatever you sow is the fruit you're going to get from it, good or bad. So we're talking about sin, and what is sin? Sin basically is missing the mark. If you look at a bullseye at the very center, that's, 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 that's perfection, that's holiness, everything else is basically us, missing the mark. And sometimes we miss it very close, but we still miss it, and some of us miss it really far. Right? We look at our lives and go, yeah I've made some mistakes. You know, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some of us hide our sin a little better. We look may look a little more professional. Some of us justify our sin. You know, Jeff had talked about some, we will say that our sin is something there. It's like, oh, that's just how our family acts. We're just, we're yellers. You know? Or we we drink a little too much. That's just how our family is. We won't recognize sin for what it is. And sometimes just because we've grown up with it doesn't always make it okay. One type of sin is called transgression, breaking God's laws. And sometimes either you know it or you don't know it. I remember there was uh, September 11th, I was listening to the radio, and it was a somber day because we were talking about what had happened so many years ago. And I was driving during the speed limit, and I realized there's this one certain section where I thought I was doing the speed limit, it was actually a school zone. <laughs> and so I realized it a school zone, I slowed down. But I didn't slow enough down in time, and the officer let me know that, and I, I got myself a ticket. <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't even knowingly making a mistake. I, Driving-wise, I sinned. But I didn't know it. But still a transgression, still a mistake. So even if you don't know the, the rules, they're still out there. God's laws. There's also iniquity. That's premeditated, fully knowing what you do, you're going to do and still do it. We heard the term premeditated, premeditated murder. Someone had planned it in their heart to do something, and they they did their action. Sometimes our premeditation may be holding a grudge against someone. Once again, something that you don't necessarily see, but it's definitely there. That seed is there in your heart, and it's growing. When James talks about sin, James verses 1, uh, verse 1, 14, 14, and 15, it says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So our own desire puts us there. And like that seed, we let it grow, and it gives birth to sin. And what happens with sin, it just keeps growing. And what happens, it causes death. You guys, this is Washington. We are known for blackberries. You don't, you can go to stores and buy blackberry plants. Or you can go to (laughs) anywhere and you're going to find blackberry bushes. And the fruit is delicious. My favorite pie is a blackberry pie. But the weeds are awful. And I have a neighbor who, a long time ago, they, they would actually cut this one area of their property where the blackberry plants would grow, the, you know, the sticker bushes, that kind of stuff, and they'd keep it under control. Well, they moved away, which is fine, and the new people that moved in. Um, they're not as conscientious about their yard. And so, so I've noticed this blackberry plant every year getting, the, the sticker bushes getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So this, this spring, I actually went and cut it all back where it was in the common area. It didn't go in the property. It'd be really weird, but it's tempting though, but anyways, because what I know It's going to happen here we're in Washington, those things are going to grow up, and before I know it, they're going to take over and go into my yard. Sin, when it's not kept under control, will grow into other areas of your life, it'll, it'll hit other aspects of your life, and it'll pop up in ways you don't expect. It. It'll pop up one day when you're, something just triggers you just off and it comes out of your mouth like, Where did that come from? Well, that was a seed that was sown in your heart, and now it is. Coming to fruition, and there it is. Like, oh, I guess I have some things to do. Well, how do we avoid sin in our life? Because who doesn't want, who, who, I mean, if I mean, don't raise your hands because I think I, know the, I hope I know the answer, but who really wants sin reigning in your life? No one really does. At the same time, it's hard to give things up. Well, how do we avoid sin? First of all, know yourself. What are your pitfalls? Everybody is different. What I struggle with. And I told you, hey, this is what I deal with. You'd be like, really? That's what you deal with? You deal with that? You may not. And there are many things that you are really weak in. And I go, oh, I'm strong. I can handle that. We're all different. So you have to know what your pitfalls are. Know what you're weak in. So you need to be aware of where you are. In uh, the story of David and Bathsheba, it's in Second uh, Samuel 11. And it starts off by saying, in the spring in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the, Am- the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Um, David, We did a series on David, and it was really Jeff did a great job on it. and um, Just talk about how David was a man for God's, God's own heart, yet he made some huge blunders and major sins. And what the story is, is that one night, David is out, his castle, and he looks out, and there's a woman at night, a woman bathing, he says, who is that? And the person says, oh, that's Bathsheba, that's Uriah's wife. Okay, one, you shouldn't be, if you see something, you should probably look away. But he doesn't look away. Who is that? That's well, Uriah's wife. Okay, he's one of your soldiers. Okay, he's one of your soldiers, he, he, she's married to someone else. But still calls the woman to his place. They spend the night together. She later on lets him know that she is pregnant. Well now he's got a problem. So he calls Uriah out of battle. Hey, why don't you come be with your wife? Maybe if we can maybe we can cover this up. He'll think the child is his. It'll be good. But he's such a righteous warrior. He says, How can I how can I be home when my, my basically my, my brothers at war are fighting? You know? How can I do that? So David, David doesn't, he, once again, David has a choice. I could deal with my sin, but he doesn't. Kind of invites him over. Okay, I'm going to send you back to battle, but one more day. Just hang with me one more time and gets him drunk. Trying to get him to come home. He still doesn't do it. He sleeps at the doorsteps of his house. It's the kind of warrior he was. So finally, David's like, okay, I, I got to, once again, he has a choice. What do I do with my sin? He's not saying what am I do with my sin, but he's thinking, how do I do with the situation? What does he do? Okay, send Uriah back out. He tells the commander uh, uh, tells him, "Hey, send him out in front, and then you guys all back up. So basically, the poor guy Uriah is fighting by himself, and of course, the poor guy dies. He basically had him murdered. The exact opposite of what a good king would be doing. what The exact opposite thing that any good soldier would be doing is leave your man behind. Exact opposite of what a godly man should be doing. And then he goes and marries the best sheep and he thinks everything's okay. As the story goes on, there's a prophet named Nathan and tells him a story. And it's a, it's a, it's a powerful story for all of us to be aware of. Basically, he convicts David. He tells him a story And convicts David's heart. And David, because he hears a different story, goes, oh, that man should be put to murder. And he goes, David, you are that man. And right then and there, David realizes his sin that he was trying to hide, trying to cover up. It was out there in the open. God saw it the whole time. And long story short, God did forgive him, but there was a great loss. He lost that son, lost that child. With sin, there is forgiveness, but there is consequences. And be encouraged, though. Even a man like David, who screwed up so badly, God forgave and loved him. There may be sin in your life that you say, boy, Jamie, if you really knew what I did, you wouldn't like me. But that's true with all of us. Because when we really look at our own sin, we realize how ugly it looks. And we know what kind of damage it does. So first thing for avoiding sin... Be aware of where you are. The key, the key verse from the the very beginning. How did this all begin for David? In the springtime, in the spring, at the time when the kings go off to war, David sent Joab, and it says at the very end. But David remained in Jerusalem. David was not where he was supposed to be. There are times we put ourselves in places that we shouldn't be, and maybe a place that may be safe for somebody else. I have a friend who is an alcoholic. So he really cannot be around alcohol. So if you're a friend to him, you have to understand, I'm going to be your friend, but I'm not going to drink alcohol, because for you, just the mere smell of it throws him back. Is there, drink, is, there, is there anything wrong with drinking alcohol? No. Long is in moderation, right? That's what the Bible says. But if it's causing him to stumble, then I'm not going to drink it, right? For some people, being around the bar scene is, is not a good place to be. Make you stumble. Maybe go into a friend's house. And that friend, whatever, for whatever reason, just brings you down. Makes you make choices you wouldn't do. Maybe it's the conversations you might have. Then you need to make sure you don't go to those kinds of places. Avoid being in places that are going to tear you down. Also, be aware of the people you hang out with. That's like I was just saying. Some people you're with, the company you're with, is not the best thing. Maybe they have an issue with gossip. And before you know it, you find yourself gossiping. Those words you could be using encouraging and of destroying people. And maybe for a while you feel better because of the stories you've heard about this person, the choices they're making. And maybe somewhere inside your heart it says, Boy, I may be a little screwed up, but not as bad as that guy over there. Also, be aware of what you say in James chapter 3. A great book, not just because of the name. But uh, James chapter 3 talks about taming the tongue, and it's longer, but I want to just read a little bit of it, okay, guys? Verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take the ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what the great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a, a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and, and it itself set, um, is set by the fire of by hell. How many of the last couple summers where we've had forest fires, like British Columbia and parts of Washington, and we've seen the effects of it? A couple summers ago, we were actually down in Oregon, and uh, that area, it was like the, the middle part of Oregon, Bandon area, no, not Bandon, sorry, Bend, and uh, there was smoke coming from, like, different, different fires. And it was coming, and, like, the place we were staying, even the workers were having masks. And I was thinking, should we really be here right now? Even the, even the workers have masks on. And we were going down a river, and it uh, was kind of nice coasting down river. But you could see all the smoke everywhere. And I was just thinking, I'm just thinking am I the only one thinking, is this really a good idea? Really, should we be here right now? And then I thought, well, you know, if there's a forest fire, what better place is it to be in the river, you know? So I'll just keep dunking my head, you know? <laughs> so... But those fires, how do they begin? With a spark. And then just, it just carries on to different areas. And it takes sometimes months to end that, that, those fires. And it all began with a spark. Same thing true with the tongue. How many here have heard the saying, Six and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Who really believes that? How many here remember when someone made a comment about you? You may remember where you were at, what you were doing, who the person was. I think it's a little funny that sometimes when we say things, we don't really realize how damaging it is. But when we're on on the receiving side, we really do know how damaging it is. Also be aware of what you see. In Matthew 5, 29, and 30, Jesus says, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to go to go into hell. Jesus is speaking very dramatically here. Please... If anything like that is happening, please don't gouge your, hand, your, your eyes out. I don't want you to see missing any limbs. But Jesus is saying, if something is causing you to sin, do something drastic. Do something dramatic in your life to change it. Take it seriously. Jesus spoke very seriously about what death, what sin and death can do to your life. Also, your attitude. Anyone can fall. In Proverbs 16 18, it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When I was in high school, I worked at a Mexican restaurant. I won't say the name, but I'll tell you this. If you have the time, they have the tacos. <laughs> and in high school, you worked there for a while and you get the honor of being a supervisor. And I was a night supervisor. And your job, of course, is working other high schoolers Working, uh, working the line, making the food. And you gotta make sure that everybody's working, that the customers are happy, that you have enough food. And for some whatever reason, I, uh, mispl- I didn't realize how, I thought we actually had more meat than we did. So it's uh, the dinner rush, and I'm realizing, oh shoot, we're running out of meat. So we have a little one that we're serving the people, and we have a, a big thing we make in the back, and so I am scrambling back, working so hard to catch up with the demand. And I keep watching, what the, the prepared part meat is and how little it's going down, little down. I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, but I'm still working on it. I'm cutting all the corners just to get that meat done and stuff. And you got to make sure it's, you know, I'm not going like to cut corners and make people sick. Don't get me wrong there, so you can not worry there. But I made sure the meat was fully cooked when it was the right time. But at the same time, I had one more customer needing a burrito. And so I made it, and I was like, scraping the sides of the meat, and the meat was no longer brown, it was more like black and I'm scraping up to get that scoopful of meat. I know it's awful. I get the sour cream dressing. That's one of the things you put on there. I put extra on there to kind of hide the fact <laughs> of the meat that was no longer tasty and everything else, wrap it up, give it to the customer, and I'm sitting back, as, and I'm just watching did I get away with it. And I watch the guy take a bite, <laughs> looks at it, and I don't know why, but looks right at me. <laughs> And I knew I even had. And I did the kind of, you know, I just, I kind of backed up. Now, as far as I know, he never called my manager or anything like that. But if I was him, I would have said something. And I might have lost a customer. And why? Because my pride. I was worried that if, if I said, hey, I messed up, and we're running out of meat, can you wait a little while, I thought maybe my manager would find out, or my coworkers would think that maybe I'm not organized enough. So I tried to hide it with some sour cream dressing. I could have been honest, you know, and I look back, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We look at our lives and go, how would I have done that differently? I would have looked back now and go, for one, it is what it is. I can't hide the fact that I didn't watch the meat close enough, that I was not as organized as I should have been. I could have gone to the customer and said, hey, I'm really sorry. It's going to be about a 15-minute wait, but it'll be tasty. He made it. Who knows? He could have complained and said, hey, you're, you're, you're not food ready. Why didn't you not do it? I'm going to complain to someone. But either way, it would be on me. It would be my own actions and not trying to have to hide. Sometimes it is so refreshing when if you make a mistake just to say, it's me, I did it, I'm sorry, and if there's a consequence, I'll pay the consequence, but at least it's on me rather than hiding it. But it's pride that gets in the way. How often does pride stop us from confessing our sins to somebody else? How often does pride stop us from creating peace because I meant have said this, but they said that to me, and that really bugged me? How often does pride ever stop you from ever telling somebody that, hey, I was offended, and they might not even known? And because you your pride, you let that grudge grow Also, be aware of your thoughts. Jesus also spoke in Matthew 5, 27, 28. Jesus says things just like they are. He doesn't candy coat it. You have heard it said, you should not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone that, that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. So often we think, well, I didn't steal, but the desire was there. I watched the show, I didn't do the act, but it's in my heart. Jesus is saying, hey, if you just, just the mere thought of that is as if you did it. Well, shoot, well, that makes me, like. Well, I guess it does make me a sinner, doesn't it, you know? But at the same time, if you're aware of what your thoughts can do, take charge of it. If there's a certain shows that you're watching and it causes you a sin, don't watch those shows. If there's certain movies certain ratings that cause you to sin, don't watch them. I'm not, you know, I'm not making any stand of what you can and cannot watch, but you should be aware of what it is. And Does sin really matter? You know, our society, it almost seems to glorify sin, doesn't it? It was a romance of passion, you know, even though he was already married, you know. They robbed the people, but they were bad people, so it's okay to steal, you know. And it doesn't really matter, because, you know, if I sin, God forgives me, right? That's what, the whole, that's what, he, that's what Easter's about, right? But there are f- effects to sin. For one, when you sin, you continually sin, it separates you from God. It hardens your heart, makes you callous what God wants to do in your life, it makes you callous to hear what he would say to you. David's heart was getting calloused because of all his choices, he was, not even, he was not even hearing what the Lord was saying. The conviction of his sin. And when that happens, it affects our ability to love others when sin rules our lives. Sin also affects others. I mentioned, uh, mentioned before about being hurt by other people's words. Has there ever been burglarized? Think ever been stolen from you? You ever been bullied? You ever been personally attacked, mocked, made fun of? You ever been cheated on? You ever had your identity stolen? Our house was burglarized about five years ago. We made some different choices to help prevent that from happening. But as a dad and father, it still affects me. I still think, and that's always, I will be honest. It's already one of my weak points, as it is, to worry. And it it just kind of catapults it even more. And my sin of worrying excessively gets the best of me and starts to consume me sometimes. Some people say, just lock the door and go, what's your problem? That's my weak area. That's my struggle. Sin affects us, you know. I think Jeff said this just a couple Sundays ago. There's no such thing as a victimless crime. Sin always has consequences. And God, it affects God. God never changes, but his heart is broken when we continually sin. Maybe you as a parent, you see your kids fighting with each other and why are you guys doing this? Or you see one tearing the other one down. Why? Why are you doing this? God knows all things, yet he still wants fellowship with us. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've done. His desire is he wants to be connected with you. Because he loves you. And God has so much more for our lives than we realize. And when we let sin rule it, it hinders what we could be doing for him. Hebrews 12.1, there's three different great verses from, just, uh, from Hebrews, so I'm just going to read them real quick. But um, just a moment just here. Therefore, in Hebrews 12.1, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw, throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let's get rid of the sinner lives, guys. In Hebrews 12.5 and 6 says, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that address, addresses you as a, father, as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the, words, the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as sons. When you say, God, you're my father, I love you, my, you're my Lord, he is going to start doing things in your life to make you more like him. He's gonna deal with stuff in your life. And it's a good thing. He wants to get the seeds, the, the, the weeds out of your life. And it's not fun. But the end result is so much better. No one is immune from sin. So when you sin, deal with it. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend it's not there. Don't belittle it. Don't say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. They're just being overly sensitive. Oh, it's just a movie. But you know in your heart, it did some stuff to you. Own it. Say, this is is my sin, and I have to deal with it. We don't like to say that. Even I don't like to say that. But I hurt that person. I need to go and talk to that person. And don't delay. Pray. Ask for God's forgiveness. You know he's going to forgive you. Ask for strength for the future. Thank him for his grace. Speak to those whom you might have offended. You know, if, if a coworker. Hey, I'm really sorry. I said that. I reacted. I'm really sorry about that. I don't know about you, but sometimes you might, wor- you might worry about like, well, they know I'm a Christian. If I say something, well, then I'm proving I'm fault. <laughs> Some of the greatest witness you can give someone is the fact that you are flawed and that you need forgiveness. They'll respect you more that you ask for forgiveness for something you said than to pretend that you're perfect, even though we know we're not. Does that make sense? It also humbles you too. (laughs) I've been there myself. I've had to I've had to apologize to my coworker before, but at the same time, it's it's extremely freeing too. Talk to someone you trust for accountability if needed. If there's an area of life that just seems to get the hold, find someone you can talk to. I'm weak in this area. Can I, can I trust you to partner with me in this area? Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's just those words that you just can't stop from coming out of your mouth. Find an accountability partner, Someone you can talk to that you trust. They can pray with you encourage you, and help you walk the straight and narrow. And then move on. Don't dwell on it. You are forgiven. Don't beat yourself down. Walk in faith. And then find a new focus. Ephesians 5.10 says, find out what pleases the, the Lord. And if you read that on your own, that's great. It tells you more. But the question, you know, Jeff always ends his sermons on a question. My question for you is, find out what pleases the Lord and do those things rather than the things that are hindering you, with the sins that so easily entangle. Even, I just want to leave you with that. Find out what pleases the Lord and then do that. It's an awesome thought, isn't it? I'm going to close in prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, that you value us so much that you died on the cross. Yet you knew how damaging sin is, like our words that can become a forest fire. You died for our sins because you value us, Lord. You spoke so often about how damaging sin is in our lives, and. and that it needs to be dealt with. That we have freedom from sin. That we have the ability to love others and love you the way that we want to. All right, I pray for anybody that's here right now that is dealing with with, with guilt, rejection, fear, worry, lust. Anybody here that is, when they look at life, just say, oh, I so many mistakes. God, if you knew how many mistakes I made, you wouldn't love me, but (laughs) the word says you know everything already. There's nothing to hide and yet you still love us because you so desperately want relationship with us. Give us the strength, Lord God, to make better decisions. Help us to own our sin and deal with it, that we can walk in freedom. Thank you, Lord Jesus bless our congregation bless those who couldn't be here today lord in your awesome and glorious name the church says amen amen, amen. well just in a couple of weeks right for the our two two weeks for two weeks for church on the lawn and then is it the friday before or the friday after the friday after is the rainiers game so if you have not signed up or if you need to give some Money for those game tickets. Come see me. I'll be in the information center. They're 20 bucks ahead. And one thing that you didn't mention there's fireworks at the end of the game, okay, guys? Yes. There's no pumpkins to be smashed, though, but that's okay.